You are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria Vagrida. If you would like to discuss today's readings, head on over to Facebook, and there you'll find the Mystical City of God in Your podcast group, and you'll be able to share your own thoughts and reflections with those who are listening and following along. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria Vagrida. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 249. And we are reading from Volume 3, Book 6, Chapter 18, Paragraphs 594-602. to 594. The image of her Divine Son, thus wounded, defiled, and bound, remained so firmly fixed and imprinted in the soul of our Queen that during her life it was never effaced and remained in her mind as distinctly as if she were continually beholding him with her own eyes. Christ our God arrived at the house of Pilate, followed by many of the council and a countless multitude of the people. The Jews, wishing to preserve themselves as clean before the law as possible for the celebration of the Pasch and the unleavened bread, excused themselves before Pilate, for their refusing to enter the praetorium or court of Pilate in presenting Jesus. As most absurd hypocrites, they paid no attention to the sacrilegious uncleanness with which their souls were affected in becoming the murderers of the innocent godmen, Pilate, although a heathen yielded to their ceremonious scruples, and seeing that they hesitated to enter his praetorium, he went out to meet him. According to the formality customary among the Romans, he asked them, John eighteen twenty eight, What accusation have you against this man? They answered, If he were not a criminal, we would not have brought him to thee, thus bound and fettered. This was as much as to say, We have convinced ourselves of his misdeeds, and we are so attached to the justice and to our obligations that we would not have begun any proceedings against him if he were not a great malefactor. But Pilate pressed his inquiry and said, What then are the misdeeds of which he has made himself guilty? They answered, He is convicted of disturbing the commonwealth. He wishes to make himself our king and forbids paying tribute to Caesar. Luke 23.2 He claims to be the Son of God and has preached a new doctrine commencing in Galilee through all Judea and Jerusalem. Take him then yourselves, said Pilate, and judge him according to your laws. I do not find a just cause for proceeding against him. But the Jews replied, It is not permitted us to sentence anyone to death, nor to execute such a sentence. 
595. The Most Holy Mary with St. John and the women who followed her was present at this interview. For the holy angels made room for them, where they could hear and see all that was passing. Shielded by her mantle, she wept tears of blood, pressed forth by the sorrow which pierced her virginal heart. In her interior acts of virtue, she faithfully reproduced those practiced by her most holy son, while in her pains and endurance she copied those of his body. She asked the Eternal Father to grant her the favor of not losing sight of her divine son as far as was naturally possible until his death. And this was conceded to her, excepting during the time in which she was in prison. Considering it but just that amid all the false accusations of the Jews, the innocence of the Savior and the injustice of the sentence should become known, the most prudent lady fervently prayed that the judge be not deceived and that he obtain clearest insight into Christ's being delivered over to him by the envy of the priests and the scribes. In virtue of this prayer, Pilate clearly saw the truth, was convinced of the innocence of Christ, and of his being a victim of their envy. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen. On her account also, the Lord declared himself more openly to Pilate, although the latter did not cooperate with the truth made known to him. It profited not him, but us and it served to convict the priests and Pharisees of their treachery. 596. In their wrath, the Jews were anxious to dispose Pilate favorably toward their project, and they wished him to pronounce the sentence of death against Jesus without the least delay. When they perceived this hesitation, they ferociously raised their voices, accusing Jesus over and over again of revolting against the government of Judea. Delivering and stirring up the people, Luke 23, 5, calling himself Christ, that is, an anointed king. This malicious accusation they pressed particularly, hoping to stir Pilate to fear for the temporal welfare of his government, with which he was charged by the Romans. Among the Jews, the kings were anointed. Therefore, they insisted that Jesus, in having called himself Christ, intended to constitute himself as king, and as Pilate was a heathen, and knew nothing of the anointing of kings, they wished to persuade him that calling oneself Christ among the Jews was identical with calling oneself king of the Jews. Pilate asked the Lord, What dost thou answer to the accusations which they bring against thee? But the Savior answered not one word in the presence of his accusers, causing much wonder in Pilate at such silence and patience. But desiring to inquire more closely whether Jesus was truly a king, He withdrew from the clamoring Jews and brought Jesus into the praetorium. There he asked him face to face, Tell me, can it be that thou art a king of the Jews? Pilate could not bring himself to think that he was a king, in fact, since he knew that Christ was not reigning. Therefore he wished to find out whether Jesus claimed or really possessed any right to the title of king. Our Savior answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or have others told it thee of me? John 18.34 Pilate replied, Am I a Jew? Thy own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee up to me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom was of this world, my servants would certainly strive 
that I be not delivered to the Jews, but now my kingdom is not from hence. The judge partly believed this assertion of Jesus, and therefore answered, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king, for this I was born, and for this I came into the world. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate wondered at this answer, and asked, What is truth? But without waiting for an answer, he left him in the praetorium, and said to the Jews, I find no cause in him. But you have a custom that I should release one unto you at the Pasch. Will you therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews, or Barabbas? This Barabbas was a thief and a murderer who had killed someone in a quarrel. All the people raised their voices and said, We desire that you release Barabbas and crucify him. In this demand they persisted until it was granted. 597 Pilate was much disturbed by the answers of Jesus and the obstinacy of the Jews. For on the one hand, seeing that they were so determined on the death of Jesus, he well knew that it would be difficult to satisfy them without consenting to their demands. And on the other hand, he clearly saw that they persecuted him out of mortal envy, and that their accusations about this disturbing the people were false and ridiculous. Matthew seventeen eighteen. In regard to the imputation that he had made himself king, he was likewise satisfied, on the contrary, by the answers of Christ and by his humility, poverty, and patient forbearance toward their calumnies. By the light and grace which Pilate received, he became fully convinced that Jesus was truly innocent, although he never pierced the mystery of his divinity and the greatness of this innocence. The living words of Christ created an exalted idea of him in his mind and made him think that some great mystery was connected with him. Therefore, he desired to free him and finally determined to send him to Herod. But all these shifts failed because Pilate was made himself unworthy by sin and paid attention only to his worldly prospects, allowing himself to be governed by them and not by the dictates of justice, but more by the suggestions of Lucifer as I have related above, number 423, than by the truth which he is so clearly knew. Fully understanding the true circumstances, he acted the part of a wicked judge in continuing to treat the cause of an innocent man with those who were his declared enemies and false accusers. Thus, he committed the still greater crime of condemning Jesus to such an inhuman scourging and then to death without having any other cause than to satisfy the Jews. 598. But though Pilate, for these and other reasons, was a most wicked and unjust judge in thus condemning Christ, whom he held to be a mere man, though good and innocent, yet his crime was much smaller than that of the priests and Pharisees, and this not only because they were moved by envy, cruelty, and other vices, but also because they sinned in not acknowledging Christ as their true Messiah and Redeemer. God and man, such as he had been promised in the law, which they believed and professed. For their own condemnation, the Lord permitted that in their very accusations they called him Christ, an anointed king, thus confessing with their lips what they denied and discredited in their proceedings. They were bound to believe this truth which they confessed in their words, and thus come to the understanding of the true anointment of the Savior, which was an unction prefigured in the kings and priests of the olden times and consisted in the anointment mentioned by David. Psalm 44.8 And different from theirs, namely the unction 
of the divinity resulting from its union with the humanity and by which Christ's soul was anointed with the gifts of grace and glory corresponding to the hypostatic union. All these mysteries of truth were providentially hidden beneath the accusations of the Jews, although they in their perfidy would not believe them and in their envy interpreted them falsely. For they imputed to the Savior the desire of making himself king without his being one, while just the contrary was really the truth. He was in every respect the supreme Lord, but did not wish to show or make use of that power of a temporal king. He had not come into this world to command men, but to obey, Matthew twenty twenty eight. Still greater was the blindness of the Jews in hoping for a temporal king as their Messiah, and at the same time calumniously asserting that Jesus made of himself a king. It seems that they sought for their Messiah a king so powerful that they would not be able to resist him, although they then would have to receive a king by compulsion and not with the free will benevolently desired by the Lord. 599. Our great lady profoundly understood these hidden sacraments, and the wisdom of her chaste heart made use of them to excite heroic acts of all the virtues. Other children of Adam conceived in original sin and defiled by their own are wont to be disturbed and oppressed in proportion to the increase of sorrow and tribulation, and excited to impatience and other inordinate passions. But most holy Mary, who was actuated not by sin or its effects, or by mere nature, was impelled by exalted grace to just the contrary course of action. For the great persecutions and the vast waters of affliction and sorrow extinguished not in her bosom the fire of divine love. Canticle 8.7 But they were new incentives to the fires of divine love in her soul, breaking forth in petitions for the sinners so much the more ardently as the malice of man reached greater excesses. O Queen of Virtues, Mistress of Creatures, and Sweetest Mother of Mercy, how hard of heart am I! How slow and insensible that my soul is not annihilated by sorrow at what I understand of thy sufferings and those of thy divine Son. That I will live, knowing all I do know, should cause in me a sorrow unto death. It is a crime against love and piety to beg favors from the innocent whom we see suffering torments. With what truth can we then say as creatures that we love God, our Redeemer, and thee? My queen, who art his mother, if thou and he alone drink out of the chalice of such torments and pains, while we are draining the chalice of the pleasures of Babylon, oh, that I might understand this truth, oh, that it might penetrate into my deepest heart, and that it might pierce my very soul at the sight of such inhuman torments of my Savior and of his afflicted mother. How can I conceive that any one can do me an injustice in persecuting me, that they offend me by despising me, that they insult me by abhorring me? How can I complain of suffering, even if I am blamed, neglected, and condemned by the world? O great chieftainess of the martyrs, queen of the courageous, mistress of the imitators of thy son, if I am thy daughter and disciple, as thou con condescendst to call me, and as my Lord wishes me to merit, do not reject my longing desire to follow thy footsteps on the way of the cross." If in my weakness I have fallen, do thou, my lady and mother, obtain for me the courage of a contrite heart, justly humiliated on account of its vile ingratitude. Gain for me through thy prayers and love of the Eternal Father, 
which is so precious that only the powerful intercession can obtain it, and only my Lord and Redeemer can merit it for me. Instruction which the Queen of Heaven gave me. 600. My daughter, great is the neglect and the inattention of men in failing to consider the works of my Most Holy Son, and to penetrate with humble reverence the mysteries which he has concealed within them for the salvation of all. But many do not know, and others are astonished, that the Lord should have consented to be presented as a criminal before iniquitous judges and be examined by them as a wicked malefactor, that they should have been allowed to treat him as an ignorant fool, and that he should not have made use of his divine wisdom to defend his innocence, convict the Jews and all his enemies of their malice, since he could so easily have done it. But these sentiments of wonder should be especially united to a deep veneration for the judgments of the Lord who disposed all things connected with the redemption according to his equity, goodness, and rectitude, and in a manner befitting all his attributes, denying none of his enemies sufficient help to follow the good, if only they wished to use their freedom for that purpose. He wished all of them to be saved. 1 Timothy 2.4 and if not all of them attain the salvation, no one can justly complain of his superabundant kindness. 601. But beside this, I wish, my dearest, that thou understandest the instructive lessons contained in these works. For in each one of them my son acted as redeemer and teacher of men. In the silence and the meekness which he maintained during his passion, permitting himself to be reputed as a wicked and foolish man, he left to mankind a lesson just as important as it is unnoticed on practice by the children of Adam, because they do not heed the contagion of Lucifer through sin, which is perpetuated in the world. They do not seek in the physician the medicine of suffering, which the Lord in his immense charity has left to the world in word and deed. Let men then consider themselves conceived in sin. Psalm 57 and let them realize how strong has grown in them the hellish seed of pride, of presumption, vanity, self-esteem, avarice, hypocrisy, deceitfulness, and all other vices. Each one ordinarily seeks to advance his honor and vainglory, struggling to be applauded and renowned. The learned and those who think themselves wise wish to be applauded and looked up to, bragging about their knowledge. The unlearned try to appear wise. The rich glory in their riches and wish to be respected on their account. The poor strive to be and appear rich, anxious to gain the approbation of the wealthy. The powerful seek to be feared, worshipped, and obeyed. All of them are pursuing the same deceit of seeking to appear what they are not in fact and fail in reality to come up to what they appear to be. They palliate their faults, extol their virtues and abilities. They attribute to themselves the goods and blessings as if they had not received them from God. They receive them as if they were their due, and not owing to his liberal kindness. Instead of being thankful for them, they abuse them as weapons against God and against their own selves. Commonly, all are swollen up by the mortal poison of the serpent, and so much the more anxious to drink it the more deeply they are already wounded and weakened by his lamentable assaults. The way of the cross in imitation of Christ and humble Christian sincerity is deserted, because there are so few that walk upon it. 602. In order to crush the head of Lucifer and overcome pride and arrogance, my son observed this patient silence in his passion, 
permitting themselves to be treated as an ignorant and foolish criminal, as the teacher of this philosophy, and as the physician of the sickness of sin. He would not deny the charges, nor defend or justify himself, nor refute those who accused him, showing us by his own living example how to oppose and counteract the intentions of the serpent. In the Lord was that teaching of the wise man put into practice. More precious is a little foolishness in its time than wisdom and glory. Ecclesiastes 10.1 For it is better that human frailty be at times considered ignorant and wicked than that it make a vain show of virtue and wisdom. Infinite is the number of those who are entangled in this dangerous error, who desiring to appear wise speak much and multiply words like the foolish. They only lose what they strive so much to attain, since they become known as foolish. All these vices arise from the pride rooted in human nature. But do thou, my daughter, preserve the doctrine of my divine Son, and that which comes from me. Abhor human ostentation, suffer in silence, and let the world consider thee ignorant, for it does not know where true wisdom dwells. This concludes our reading today for day number 249. We've been reading from Volume 3, Book 6, Chapter 18, Paragraphs 594 to 602. As I was reading today's reading, I couldn't help but recall Palm Sunday. It was almost as if we're there at Palm Sunday Mass as we read the Passion of Jesus. Everybody has their parts. I, as a priest, have the part of Jesus. And so some of the words today reminding me of that Palm Sunday Passion reading, maybe you had similar thoughts. Maybe you've watched The Passion of the Christ, as someone recently remarked to me, and they thought, wow, I feel like I'm watching The Passion as I'm reading this. And as we heard in that interview with uh, the religious sister I interviewed from Agreda, she said that Mel Gibson used also the mystical city of God, that not only did he use Venerable Anne Catherine Emmerich, but also Maria of Agreda. At the very beginning of our reading today, we heard that really the passion and the remembrance of the passion is something that stays with Our Lady for the rest of her life. It's something to ponder, of course. You know, we hold on to things ourselves, different experiences. If we were there with a loved one in their final days or hours, that's something that remains with us. We don't let it go. We hold on to it. And so that's precisely what Our Lady is doing. One of the things in the Passion, in the conversation with Pilate, that is asked is, what is truth? And we heard in our reading today, on this account also, the Lord declared himself more openly to Pilate, although the latter did not cooperate with the truth made known to him. The truth that Jesus was speaking, but also the very fact that the truth, the way, the truth, and our life was standing right before him. Pilate didn't understand the truth. He didn't want to embrace the truth. So I think for us in our lives, it's important for us to be honest, important for us to embrace truth, because when we are truthful, well, then that's one of the personas of Christ as truth. So we wish to be truthful for that very sake. 
Finally, I just want to point out some of these beautiful titles of Our Lady that we heard at the very end. O Great Chieftainess of the Martyrs, Queen of the Courageous, Mistress of all the imitators of thy son. What beautiful titles. I want to be an imitator of Jesus. I want to be courageous. And so as we hear those titles of Our Lady, we ask for her prayers. We ask for her intercession. That we might always be courageous for the sake of the faith. That we might always imitate Jesus in his passion. And that's something we heard at the instruction today. The way of the cross and imitation of Christ in humble Christian sincerity is deserted because they are so few that walk upon it. Well, let's not be the many that don't walk upon it, but let's be the few that walk upon it, embracing the crosses of Jesus in our daily life, imitating him in all that we say and do. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.